we come into September. How many of you like the sun? How many of you are waiting for the sun to come back? It was a great day yesterday, but I'm looking forward to spring and summer. It's been an unusual winter, uh, quite cold. How many of you have felt the cold this winter? And it's been quite long. I was sort of going, come on, let the sun come out. As soon as we hit springtime, I thought to myself, at last, you know, the sun's going to come out. This time of the year, uh, what I do as a pastor and in my own personal life as a leader, um, I begin to prepare and plan. September for me is a time to review. It's a time actually to reflect on what the year's been like. Um, but I also begin to plan and prepare for what God's got ahead of us. If you hang around long enough and if you've been with us on the journey, we, we turned four years old as a church on November this year, November the 16th. We actually become four years old. And if you've been along the journey, you'll know that most Septembers, what I'm doing is I'm preparing, I'm planning for what next year will look like. I also review the year and I also begin to pray, God, what is the theme for 2017? How many of you know God's got a plan and he's got a purpose for us as a church. It's important for me to begin to do that and plan. If you hang around, you'll know that February is where we pray and fast for 21 days. And we do that. It's called a, a Daniel fast. We don't do a full fast, even though some people have. We do a partial fast because what we do is we position ourselves for the year for God to really do something significant in our church. And we've been doing that for the last three years and seen some great things. But what happens in September, for me personally, uh, and, and I'm just introducing the subject this morning, is I begin to do a little bit of a reflection and begin to do a little bit of review on my own heart. Um, I'm 57 years old now. How many of you can see that? I'm looking really good. I, from a distance, I look fantastic. My wife says in the dark, I look even better. But you know what? As you get older, and some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about, as you get older, uh, you know, you've got to go for physical checkups. And usually you should go twice a year, the beginning and sort of the end of the year. I've had my first physical and I passed with flying colours. Uh, which was really good. Now, it was during the period of fasting, and so they weren't able to detect certain things, but usually my cholesterol is quite high, and it's a bit of a worry, and so I try to hide it a little bit because I'm a sweet tooth and I love carbs. I love pasta, I love pizza, anything that starts with P, I'm, you know, I'm into it. Uh, let's not go there, but anyway. So we have, so I have to have a checkup. And I'm about to go for another one. But do you know that just as we go for physical checkups, we need to have a spiritual checkup? And so today, the title of my message is How's Your Heart? So if you're taking notes, today I'm just going to give you some thoughts and hopefully you can do a bit of a review of where are you at, how's your heart, how's the condition of your heart. The worst thing that could happen is you could get blocked arteries in, the, in your physical life and you could have all sorts of problems with your heart. But what is true in the physical is also true for your spiritual life. So how is your heart? We're going to look at a scripture in Proverbs 4.23. This is what it says. Above all else, look at the urgency and the priority that the Bible gives here. Above all else, Guard your heart with all diligence and care, 
because out of it flows everything that you do in life. Let, let me just read to you that again. Above everything, above all else, guard your heart with all diligence, with all care, because out of it flows everything you do in life. In other words, out of it flow the attitudes that will determine the decisions and actions that you will take in life. God puts a high priority on your spiritual heart, on your emotions, on your spirit, the inner part of your life. Do you know what's inside of you will come out? How many of you know that? Whatever is put within you will come out. When I was a young lad, I was about 17, 18 years old, um, I got this really bad cold. I, a cold. I had a man flu. How many of you have suffered with man flu? It, women don't understand the man flu. Do you know what I mean? When we men get sick, it is real. And we need a lot of love and attention. But I wanted to go to this event. And I was really, you know, so looking forward to this event. But because I had the man flu, I was feeling really under the weather. And, you know, I was told that you could take garlic tablets. You know, how many have ever, who's ever done that? And, uh, but, but I could, you know, I didn't have any garlic tablets. But I live in an Italian home, so, you know, you're going to have garlic around. So I thought to myself, you know what I'm going to do? Instead of having garlic tablets, I'm going to take the real deal. So I went to uh, my mum's uh, pantry and I went in there and she's, she's got all sorts of things were hanging in that pantry and she had this whole lot of garlic and I... I thought, yeah, I'm going to toughen up. I'm going to take this garlic. And, you know, so I, I thought, I'm going to really hit this thing in the head. So I, you know, got some cloves and I began to clean them off. And then I swallowed them and just, you know, because I wasn't going to try and, you know, chew on them. So I, I drank as much water as possible. But then I thought, you know what, I really want to knock this thing on the head. So I took another two or three. Now, you should try that someday. It's really awesome. Uh, you know, if you eat... Um, a lot of spaghetti, you know, with garlic. You know, you've got to be careful if you burp. You might lasso somebody, you know. That, that's the sort of situation it was, you know. Be careful when you've eaten spaghetti with garlic. And all of a sudden, I began to realise that this garlic was coming out my pores. I mean, I just smelt like garlic. And people, who's ever done anything like Who's ever done anything stupid like that? Put your hand up. Okay, I'm the only one in the room again. <laughs> Fantastic. But it just started to just like just pour out of me and, and I, I didn't know what to do because it was a bit too late. I tried to shout and people would literally come up and start talking to me and I was burping and <laughs> yeah, let, let's just stop there. But it was just coming out of me and I didn't know what to do when I, I tried to shower, I tried to get it off me. The thing is I did it for two or three days and it got so much into my system that it was right through me. You know, you know, your heart is exactly the same. The condition of your heart will release what's in your heart. And so your heart is quite amazing. Can I have the next slide up? Because your heart is actually like a sponge. Uh, your heart is prone to absorbing everything that's thrown at you. Everything that comes your way, whether it's good or bad, whether, you know, there, there's good things that happen in your life, whether there's words that are spoken that will lift you up or words that are spoken that will put you down, your heart absorbs everything that happens to you. Your heart is also, I've just added another one, is like a soil. Uh, do you know that your heart 
has the ability that whenever something is said, it has the ability to plant those things that have the ability to be planted in your heart and affect your heart. That's why you've got to be careful when you get hurt. If you don't deal with unforgiveness, the Bible actually says this, that unforgiveness can actually cause a root of, of bitterness. In, in other words, those, that unforgiveness can be like seeds that can stay in your heart and that can actually grow and create uh, the fruit of bitterness. Your heart is also very sensitive. How many of you have met sensitive people? Your heart is very sensitive. It's very delicate. Um, and, and you know what? I, I find it doesn't matter if you're choleric or what your personality type is. I have found that it's easy to get offended. Um, if your self-worth and your identity is not based on who the Bible and who Jesus says you are, I find that you can get really, really easily offended. It's an area that I've had to work really hard on. Here's another one. Your heart needs security. Your heart is prone to fear. Did you know that many times we'd like to think that our heart is always in faith, but we tend to gravitate to fear if you don't safeguard it? We're prone to actually thinking negatively if there's not things in place that can safeguard your heart. Your heart is easily seduced. You'll be surprised how easily deceived your heart can be. The Bible actually says in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9, it says this, that the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart is prone to being seduced and can easily go off course of your life because of the delicacy and the way that God created your spirit to be. Your heart can become like stone. I don't know if you've ever been hurt before, and I'm not just talking like somebody's maybe just said something bad to you, but I'm talking about really wounded. We talk about, you know, a broken heart. A broken heart, the two greatest wounds to your soul, to your spirit, are rejection and betrayal. Anybody that's ever been rejected, anybody that's ever been betrayed, you will know what it is to have a broken heart. And when your heart is broken, I'd like to say to you that, you know, you're in a healthy place, but you're not because it actually turns to stone. It becomes so hard that it becomes impregnable. It seems like God or people can't get through to you because you've got a broken heart. The great thing about this is the Bible says that God, his love, he's able to give us a heart of flesh, to turn our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Now, I'm amazed at how sensitive, even though I know all this stuff and I've been a Christian since I was 11 years old and I try and you know, put all the safeguards, I'm amazed how sensitive and how easily seduced my heart can be. Um... On Monday, my wife and I, we were going to Adelaide because it was my daughter's uh, birthday. I hadn't seen my mum for a while. I'm, I'm an only child, uh, for those of you that don't know. And um, my mum lives by herself. Um, 
she's actually got a couple of carers, which is really good. Actually, one of the carers is my son, David, who's here today. And he takes care of mum, which is absolutely fantastic. And I'm very appreciative of that. So we had lined up to go and, and see mum and have our, my daughter's birthday and also to, you know, catch up with some friends. And what, when we got there, I'm not going to talk about the airline, but um, uh, let me just say this. The airline we were flying with, I'd already had an altercation with them two weeks ago because uh, I'd booked a flight to go overseas in a conference I have to do at the end of the year, and I was already, uh, I, ha- was, I was not in a good place with them. Let- let's put it that way. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, people just seem to do the wrong things, and how many of you know that I'm always right and fair? Put your hand up if you're always right and fair like me. Man, you're really being holy this morning, aren't you? You're all... So I was not in a good place, and as we're getting there, I don't, I've, I've really got over airports, I don't like flying anymore, it used to be really a great thing, now it's just like how many, you know, every time I go, I'm thinking to myself, mate, you know, just waste time, you know, getting on those flights, I hate turbulence. Anyway, we've, we've got up, 6.30, got everything ready, finally got there, we go to the gate, we're boarding, and just as we're about to go through the gate, this is what we hear, your flight has been cancelled. Now, how many of you know that I was not really in a good place in my mind or my heart when I heard those words? And I thought to myself, great, what am I going to do? And so they said, you need to go back and get your bag and go to the the flight desk because they're going to tell you what to do. Now, I was already uh, frustrated. Let, Let me use another word. I was ticked off because I had to get up early. I'd done everything right and they cancelled this flight on me. And then we had to walk all the way back and get the baggage. We finally got in the line. It wasn't just our flight that was, that was actually cancelled. There was another flight that was cancelled, the one to Sydney. And there was about 300 people lining up. And the thing is, is because of my personality and who I am, and I live in a leadership world, I was thinking, why doesn't somebody from the staff at least walk down the line and tell us what's happening? That would be a good thing to do. And I was not in a good place. But Meredith, every once in a while, she takes on the persona of a saint. Now, how many of you know that when you're not in a good place and somebody else has this saintly persona, it is not a good combination? And I was thinking to myself, I thought, do you know, how, why isn't she frustrated like I am? But what made it worse is Meredith pulled out her Kindle and she was doing a review on somebody's book that happened to be about, well, I don't know what chapter she was in, but... All the scriptures she was using or she was showing me, she goes, look at this great, do you want to read this book? I said, no. I'm in the line and I'm you know, frustrated and thinking, look how long this line is, I don't know what's happening. Are we going to get on a flight? And she says, look at this scripture, what a great scripture. Look at what James chapter 1 says, count it pure joy. And I'm just looking at her and smiling, it's, it's, it's really great, dear, it's just... And I'm thinking, why aren't you frustrated like me? So we got a little bit further down the line and there's, you know, different people were coming up and talking to me, trying to find, you know, they were normal. They were expressing their frustration to me, but not Mary Bell over here. No, she decides to give me another scripture. You know, Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit, a joy and peace. Now, I won't tell you what I was thinking, I'm going to tell you what I was feeling. 
But I was absolutely ticked off. We go a bit further and she starts giving me more scriptures. Nothing, look, I'm up here today. Just stay down there. Let's just leave it as it is. You'll have a lot to say when we get home, I know. Galatians, then she starts throwing Galatians 5.16 to me, which is, you know, that, you know, live by the spirit, not by the flesh. And, you know, and then I just said to her, said, I am living in the spirit. I'm walking in the spirit. Yeah, that's what I said. And I was amazed at how entangled my heart got so quick. Your heart, you know, you think you've got it all together and your heart can get seduced so quickly. It can become so sensitive, you can get entangled in things that sometimes you're not even aware of. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It's amazing. But the thing didn't get better because when we got to the, when we got to the flight desk, I wanted to know, why was this plane cancelled? Don't you think I have a right to do that? You know, but Meredith's up there with a smile and, uh, and I basically said this, she goes, look, I don't really know why the flight is cancelled. I said, well, is there going to be any compensation? And so she gives me you know, a couple of coffee vouchers. And I thought, you've got to be joking. It's like, a, I, I just got more offended. And Meredith takes the voucher, says, thank you, and they put us on another flight. Now, what they didn't tell us is we had to go to another terminal. And so when we went to redeem those coffee vouchers, you couldn't get them in that terminal. So my anxiety and my frustration is going to another level. And so I don't know what it is. And then we finally, you know, we go and, and you know, Princess over here, she's still smiling and isn't it a great day? And I'm thinking, yeah, whatever. Anyway, we go through the security and you know how they, they pick people, you know, to find out who's... It was my day. I'm telling you, it was my day. I got picked and I said, you've picked me for my looks, haven't you? She goes, yes, Absolutely. So I thought, it couldn't get worse, surely. So we eventually we got on the plane. Yay. And I thought, this is it. We're finally going to get to Adelaide. It's now like five, six hours wasted, and I'm just so frustrated. I thought, I've got so much to do. And we're on this plane, and we're buckled in. We're ready to go. And all of a sudden, there's an announcement. Could passengers, now listen to this, pang and wang, could they please make yourselves known? Now, at first I thought to myself, this has got to be a joke. Who has, who's like, you know, pang and wang? I'm thinking, surely they are making this up. But no, there was two people on the plane, one called wang and one called pang, and they hadn't rolled up, but their baggage was on the plane. So we couldn't take off till they took the baggage out, found their baggage, and then we could go. So my annoyance got worse and worse and worse. My heart got entangled. But the top thing, this is what really topped it off. As we're flying up, we finally settle and they come, the, the, the stewards are coming, they're bringing, you know, it's lunchtime. You know, people are getting wraps and sandwiches, but they come up to us and they say, look, we're really sorry, <laughs> but we've run out of food. So how would you like some rice crackers? Now, how many of you feel sorry for me? Put your hand up. If, come on. Put your hand up really high. How many of you feel I had the right to be annoyed and be totally frustrated? Put your hand up high. Meredith, look, turn around and look. These are normal people. But I was amazed 
how quickly my heart got entangled. I couldn't believe, because I'd like to think that I'm mature as a Christian. I'd like to think that I've got it all sorted out. I'd like to think that, you know what, I've passed the place where I have to put guards on my heart, but isn't it funny just a little thing like that can really trigger attitudes in your life very quickly. See, let me just just put the next slide up. See, the condition of your heart is reflected by the attitudes in your life. It's reflected by the actions of your life. It's reflected by the atmosphere of your life. Did you know that if your heart's in the wrong place, you actually give out, you have an atmosphere. The atmosphere that I had uh, on Monday was not good. Actually, I find when I get that atmosphere, Meredith doesn't quite like being around me. Even though she keeps prodding me, I cannot handle that. It just sets me off worse. How many husbands have wives like that? If you're, oh, look at that, man. I was, I was going to say, if you're brave, put your hand up. But they went up like a flash. Look at that, John Condodora, wham, like this. Unbelievable. Incredible. Now, if I was sitting next to my wife, and some preacher says something and doesn't say, put your hand up. She just kicks me or elbows me. And I go, anyway. See, the attitudes of your life, your heart, what's going on in your heart is reflected through your attitude. The decisions, the actions you, you take in life are reflected, is a reflection of what's going on in your heart. And you do. Every one of us have an atmosphere. Every one of us, you know, we, we literally, we... we we portray an atmosphere. That's why sometimes when people are in a bad mood or people are angry or people are hurt, you stay away from them because even though they don't open their mouth, even though they might not actually have come in some level of contact, you, you stay away because they're giving an atmosphere of their life. That's why it's important, the Bible says, when we come into God's presence, that we come with a pure heart. We come with a clean-up. When we come to worship him, we're to come with a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of appreciation. That's why when you take communion, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says this, listen, when you come to communion, because communion is about connection with God, it's about the, the understanding and the revelation that he, Jesus, gave his life for you. He took your punishment and my punishment on the cross. And so when we come to communion, we are to come with a grateful heart. And the Bible says, examine your heart before you take communion. What is the state and what is the condition of your heart when you come into his presence? So let me give you just three keys or three principles very quickly on how to guard your heart. Because the Bible says, listen again, that scripture says, above everything else. It's like high urgency. It's high priority. Above everything else, guard your heart. Here's three things. Can we have the next slide up? The first thing is declutter your heart. How many of you know that life gets a bit cluttered? Uh, winter is known that, you know, statistics and there's surveys being done that usually in winter we, we, we tend to, you know, we tend to grab things and we, we tend to um, store things up. It's part of our nature. And we clutter ourselves. It, it happens physically. Uh, I'm looking forward to summer to losing some of the clutter. 
But it happens to us. We seem to clutter. And our heart needs to be decluttered. It needs a spring clean. That's why in springtime, you know, we, we have this whole concept that springtime is about, hey, open up the shutters, let the light in. Everything that you've cluttered, everything that's been closed, hey, do a spring clean. Do you know your heart needs that too? Because your heart is amazing. It's like a sponge. It grabs so much stuff that it needs to be decluttered. Uh, you know, I do travel a lot and it's funny, you know, I've been travelling now for 20 years and, and I hate international flights. And, but I remember going on international flights and, man, I would bring the biggest suitcase I could find. And, you know, I'd only be there for two days. But, you know, the biggest suitcase, I would bring everything. You know, five pairs of shoes and all these different... And this is what I'd find, that usually on those trips, I would hardly use half of what I bought. Because we have this concept, we've got to clutter everything. But you know what? God wants us to travel light. One of the things I've learned through life, so much can happen to us, but learn to travel light. Unclutter your heart. Don't become a person that takes things onto your heart because it will affect your whole perspective and your whole walk in life. But our heart is easily cluttered. There's a phone call. Our heart is easily cluttered. The winters of life, and we've just been through a winter. There are some people here today, you've been through a difficult 12 months. If you're honest with yourself, the last 12 months has been a real challenge. There's been some things that have happened that have caused you to, you know, take some things on. And can I say this? We're in springtime and I really feel God wants to, for us to all unclutter our hearts so we can actually enter into new seasons of God. You know, our church is entering into a brand new season. There's new things that God wants to do. There's new things that God wants to do in your life. There's new experiences and greater opportunities than we've ever had before and that God wants to give you. But if you're going to really maximize everything that God has for you, you need to do some uncluttering. Some of you, like I said, have been through some very difficult periods of time. In the last 12 months, it's, it's been a challenging time. And those challenges can bring things like disappointment and fear and anxiety and worry and frustration and anger. And God wants to make sure that as you go into this next new season that you do some uncluttering. That you begin to actually go, you know what, this particular attitude is not the right attitude. This particular attitude is going to stop me from moving into the things that God has for me. The best time sometimes to do that is through just praying. How can you unclutter your heart? Uh, one of the things I do is, and, and you know, when I say examine your heart, it's really important to have a good look at yourself, to have a good look at your heart and the condition of where it is. And sometimes what I do is, is you know, I, I just, in my prayer time, what I do is I take a journal. You know, Mark Ritchie, he's been staying with us. Him and Tamsin have been staying. I didn't realise he's been journaling since he was 16 years old. He journals every day because the ministry or the call that God's put on his life is one about connecting, you know, God to people. And he wants to make sure that his heart is clear so that the Spirit of God can flow through his heart. He journals every single day. And I think sometimes the good thing about journaling is because you can have an honest look at where you're at 
in your heart? What are the attitudes, what are the things that have taken root in your life? Are they good? Are they healthy? Will they allow the Spirit of God to move through your life? That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Put a filter on your heart. You know, the Bible says guard it. It means you have to protect it. Computers, not that I'm a technical genius, but computers are prone to viruses. That's what people tell me. And a lot of people have antivirus software. It's used to prevent, detect and remove malicious software that can cause significant damage to your computer software. Do you know that our heart needs a filter? Your heart, my heart needs filters to protect it and to guard it because life, you're not guaranteed that you're not going to suffer or go through pain or sometimes be rejected or sometimes face some very difficult situation. But what's the filter on your heart? Let me give you three filters very, very quickly. The first one, now some of you are going to say, well, you know, we know that Pastor Nick, we've been coming to church, we've, you've said this before, so do the pastors, and we've heard it so many times. This is a great filter. This is a great filter, not just for your heart, but for your mind. The problem that we've got today is with all the technology we've got, we've got more ability to read God's word. We're still the most, we're, we're, we're illiterate when it comes to God's word. That's why courses like Alpha, you know, people today, you'll be surprised how many people have never been to church. You'll be surprised today how many people don't know about God. You'll be surprised today how many kids have never grown up with the stories from the Bible. I take it for granted. I take this word for granted. But let me tell you, most people in Australia, and I've said this many, many times, you know, this is a spiritual nation. But being a spiritual nation doesn't make you a godly nation. This is not really a godly nation. And the word of God is a great filter. Now, let me just, just let me encourage you. You know, how many of you know Pastor Nicholas? He's come and preached here quite a few times and... Um, the amazing thing with Pastor Nicholas, just for your information, is that he's now uh, Pastor Steve Maisie, who was pastoring at Hills, is now moving down to uh, the Bendigo Church, Victory Church, um, and Pastor Nicholas is taking his church, which is absolutely fantastic. But Pastor Nicholas, I was doing a, a speaking at a youth uh, seminar with him one day, and I didn't know this about him, but he said, you know, he said to the, to the young people, he said, you know what, if you would just take the book of Proverbs. He says there's 31 Proverbs in the Bible. He says since the age of 25, I've been reading one proverb a day. I thought, wow, isn't that fantastic? One proverb a day because it's a filter to his heart. The first nine chapters of Proverbs are all about wisdom. Man alive, I wish that I'd known what I know today when I was very young. Because the Bible is full of wisdom. It's full of God's way that you should live your life. It, it tells us about how we should conduct relationships. It tells us what we should do when our heart is wounded. It tells us about forgiveness. He himself, Jesus, modeled it. And many times what happens is we don't filter the things in our life through his word, but the word of God is a powerful filter. Here's the second thing. Prayer is very powerful. 
do you know, I find many, many times, and it took me a while to sort of chill out on Monday. It really did. It took me a while to chill out. And like I said, I do not appreciate when people prod you while God is trying to speak to you, but they feel they need to be the Holy Spirit. Do you know what I mean? And so, but this is one thing that I have found. You know, sometimes when I get really anxious, and I do, you know, I've got a lot of responsibility on my plate. Uh, Some of you have also. I'm not the only one. Sometimes I get anxious. I get fearful. Sometimes thoughts begin to invade my mind about how things are working through. I'm constantly in a, in a, in a leadership uh, challenge where I have to make leadership decisions. Uh, taking the Bendigo Church on has, has increased that responsibility. Some mornings uh, I get so overwhelmed... You know, last week I had to deal with two situations that were not easy. I actually had to confront a couple of situations and I I could see my body begin to get anxious and I know when I get anxious and I know when I get worried and I know when all of a sudden I start to get, get really fearful. Here's a great lens. Pray. Pray. And it doesn't have to be these, you know, elaborate prayers or these prayers that, you know, seem so far away, but rather sometimes it's just the simple prayers. You know, most of my prayers in the morning before I get out of bed, and and I'm not joking about this, but most mornings, this is what I pray. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, help me today. And when I do that, what happens, I open my heart to God and to His presence and to His power and to His purpose. Here's another filter very, very quickly. Friends. Man, we all need good people around us. We need friends. I pray that you've got at least two or three good friends. You know, this is what the Bible says. It says in Proverbs 27, 6, it says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes we don't like to hear what our friends want to say to us. But people that really love you, that really care about you, they are a great filter. I thank God for guys like Pastor Nicholas. I thank God for our eldership. I thank God for people in ministry. I thank God for people that are just my friends. And sometimes it's not easy hearing when you know what they're saying is right, but everything inside of you is kicking and screaming and you're going, you know what, I don't want to listen to hear this. But how many of you know that Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Let that be a filter of your life. Let me finish with this one thought, this last one. Keep your heart, can I have the slide back up? Keep your heart soft, strong, and open. You know, one of the things I've found is that when we get wounded, when we get hurt, when we get disappointed, we just clam up like this. Now, I've said this many, many times from this platform, and you'll hear it. You'll hear it while I'm up here. 
on different occasions. Your heart is so delicate and yet everything flows out of your heart. The worst thing you could do is harden your heart. Like this. Because when your heart is like this, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9 says this, that when you've got a hard heart, you lose the ability to see and you lose the ability to hear. So you walk around life like this. Now today, if I told you, if we blindfolded you and we put earmuffs on you and said, right, go and find your car in the car park, many of you would have accidents. The same is true with your, with your spiritual heart. When your heart is hard, you are prone to falling in the pit holes of life. Have you ever seen a person and, you know, you, you, you help them, you help them come out of a pit and, you know, a week later they're in another pit. And a week after that, you pull them out and you help them. And, you know, they keep walking, bang, they're in another one. You think to yourself, what is wrong with you? Sometimes what we do is we, we, we look at symptoms instead of the root cause. Many times I have found that people that are in what we call rebellion or people that are so hard, they keep falling into these pits because it's more about what's happening on the inside. It's the condition and the state of their heart. And as a Christian, the Bible teaches us that we're to keep a soft, pliable, strong. There's a big difference between a hard heart and a strong heart. And sometimes people get it confused. I'll tell you very quickly how you know if you've got a hard heart. If something's happened to you and you go, you know what, I'm never going to let that happen to me again. If you take a risk in life and you think to yourself, you know what, I'm not going to take that risk again. And your heart has the ability to shrink. It's a terrible way to live. God never intended for us to have a closed, hard, shrinking heart. But rather God wants us to have an open, soft, pliable, strong heart. When I see people that have gone through difficult times, I'll never forget Julie Leach. How many remember Julie? She passed away last year. She had cancer. She ended up in a wheelchair. And yet, being around her was contagious. The atmosphere of her life, what came out of her, her life just oozed hope. It oozed faith. It oozed love. You couldn't be around her and not feel like you were just on top of the world. Just a conversation with her, and doesn't matter what you were going through, you thought to yourself, wow, look at this person. You know, God intended us to be courageous, to be strong of heart. He, he, he intended it for us to keep risking loving. It's a, it's a risk to love. If you've ever been hurt by someone that is a relative, by someone that you truly love, it's a risk to love. But can I say this to you? It's worth the risk. There's a risk to give. You know, sometimes you give and I know of some people that have come from different churches and they've given to different building programs and the church is closed down and everything's going on and they come to another church. They go, you know what, I'm not going to do that again. But you know what, it's a risk to keep giving and it keeps enlarging your heart. Because you know what, at the end of the day, God will sort it all out. 
Don't close your heart. Risk. It's a risk to live by faith. It's a risk. It's a risk to get up and go, you know what? I'm going to have another go. I'm going to have another go. I don't know how many times I've failed, how many times I've, I, I've sort of, as on my journey, that, that I've fallen. Sometimes I think to myself, man, that was a real, I really messed that up. It's a risk to keep going. Sometimes as a leader, I make the wrong mistake and I think, you know what, I should just give this up. But I go, you know what, God, you've called me to live in a different way. It's a risk to stay in faith. It's a risk to continue to be courageous. Can I say this? Let's continue to be courageous. There are great days ahead of us. I was so thrilled with what happened uh, just over the last two weeks. I took a risk. Can I be this honest with you? I took a risk bringing Mark Ritchie here. Mark said to me, he said, I don't know how I was going to go. I don't know if the Australian people, because he's been to America, he said, I don't know how the Australian people are going to take what I do. It was a risk. Brought him all the way from England. I don't want to ever stop being a leader that takes risks in faith and in God. And I know that God's got to call us to it. But I believe that God has called us to live courageous lives, open lives. I want our heart to get bigger. You know what? Some people are going to come into this church and maybe they'll take us for granted. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll abuse some things that we do. But let me tell you what, these doors are never going to be shut. They're always going to be open because we want to see God glorified. Come on, stand to your feet. Would you do that right now? I'm going to ask you today just to close your eyes. And just let's have an intimate moment with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to just ask the question, the title of my message is How's your heart. How are you tracking? How are you doing? Is there some fear? Is there a place of anxiety? Is there a place of, of where you're hurting? Today, if you feel comfortable, just put your hands out in front of you. And why don't you, you know, Geordie opened up the service with, what, uh, rather it was, it was Jackie who said, come on, let's give everything to God. Why don't you do that right now? If you feel comfortable, just put your hands out in front of your heart. Say, God, today, I just want to be honest. I want to be open. Just examine my heart. Just examine my heart. Is there any anxious thought? Anything that you think to yourself, God, I'm just so anxious. You know what? You can come and you can pray. Even now, you can pray and say, God, I do give it to you. I give it to you today. Holy Spirit, we come, we thank you that everything flows through our heart. That, Lord, when there's a blockage, the Holy Spirit can't flow the way he wants to. I thank you, Lord, that you've made us in such a way that when we connect with you, that you want, your spirit to flow through us. You want your spirit to flow through our mouth and our eyes and our hands and our feet. You want us to be free. There's so many things that can entangle us. And Lord, as we come into, Lord, preparing for next year, I pray that the entanglements 
that possibly have happened over winter will begin to just disentangle. Help us in our journey. Help us to understand the way that you've made us, that our heart is sensitive, that our spirit can be easily, easily enticed and and led astray. Help us to put those filters on our hearts. Father, I pray for that in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen and amen. Well, I hope those principles have helped you today. If you're visiting here and this is your first time here uh, and you want to know more about the church, we have a Connect Corner, uh, which is at the back over there. There's actually uh, one of the signs. Some of our uh, team will meet you there. We'd love to meet you and just tell you a little bit more about the church. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing. Uh, Pray for History Makers next week. We're going to see some of our young people go to the Victory Church and going to see God do some great, great things. Why don't you turn around, say hello to a few people. There's coffee uh, in our cafe. Say God bless you to someone. Try and introduce yourself to somebody different. Meet somebody different. God bless you. Have a great, great day. came to Alpha by, by his plans. I was walking with a friend. She wanted to take me out to talk about details, about buildings and anything to take me out of my life. We were walking and see places and stuff and then we, we look. There is interesting, something happening there in this place. This what happened, I knocked the door and then Nalini opened with a smile, peaceful smile from God. I asked her, what are you doing? 
you are talking about? What is this? What is this? And in a peaceful way, she replied to me, we are talking about Jesus. I, I was walking in the streets, not thinking of Jesus in this moment. I was thinking of my pain. I was thinking in my kids. I was thinking how to get through this tough time in my life and in my kids' life. I felt something really strange. I felt I'm not alone. If these wolves can talk, the Holy, I, I believe the Holy Spirit was there and I didn't stop crying. I don't know why, I felt like he found me. I think he is not here. No, he is here. And he is looking for everyone. What does it take to live a life of adventure? The truth is, the first step is always the hardest. That's the one that takes the most courage. But I've learned not to run from that fear and just do it. My Christian faith can be a little up and down, like any relationship. It has struggles and it has doubts. But it's so often brought light to a dark path warmth to a cold mountain and strength to a failing body. I remember crawling onto the summit of Everest and clearing the snow from my mask to see the curvature of the earth at the edges. But finding a simple faith that empowers my life, to me, that's been my greatest adventure. Questions about life? Try Alpha. Welcome to Alpha.
What does it take to live a life of adventure? The truth is, the first step is always the hardest. That's the one that takes the most courage. But I've learned not to run from that fear and just do it. My Christian faith can be a little up and down, like any relationship. It has struggles and it has doubts. But it's so often brought light to a dark path, warmth to a cold mountain, and strength to a failing body. I remember crawling onto the summit of Everest and clearing the snow from my mask to see the curvature of the earth at the edges. But finding a simple faith that empowers my life, to me, that's been my greatest adventure. Got questions about life? Try Alpha. It all starts with an invite. Last year, 2.5 million people around the world tried Alpha. Each one with a different, unique story about how they got there. I was invited by a friend. The girl I work with. My brother. A guy on my football team. My hairdresser. My mum. My housemate. My barber. My mate from school. Personal journeys just like mine begin because people all around the globe invite their friends and family to try Alpha. It all starts with an invite. It all starts with an invite.